You're listening to the Built Champs Podcast, presented by Midco Sports Network. We're reaching the business end of the spring sports season, and Midco SN has your favorite teams covered right to the end. Catch the latest on UND football's postseason run with new episodes of Day by Day dropping weekly on our social media platforms. And keep up with UND softball live on our airwaves. MidQSN is broadcasting the last softball series of the regular season for UND against Kansas City May 7th through the 8th. And we'll air the entire Summit League softball tournament from Fargo the following week. It's all on MidQSN. This is how we do sports. And this is the Bill Shapes Podcast. Welcome to another edition of the Bill Chaves Podcast. We are taping this on a Tuesday mid-morning, April the 27th. Alex Seinert, Bill Chaves. Bill, we always say the date right at the beginning, just so folks, if they're listening in the afternoon, the next day after this pod records, they have an idea of what's going on in our world as we talk to each other. The last time we had a podcast, it got dated really fast because we spent a lot of time talking about UND football, the game they were going to play uh, to finish out the regular season against Youngstown State. And about 24 hours after we talked, that game was not going to happen. Just a little reminder of how everything is still a little bit fragile and how news can change hour to hour, day to day. It's crazy. Yeah, it was uh, crazy for sure. And, uh, you know, all of that we know is like, you don't know until you know it. And so, uh, yeah, that happened pretty darn quick. And uh, next thing you know, uh, we're not going to Youngstown. And uh, then we're just looking ahead to uh, the bracket show on that Sunday. And uh, sure enough, you know, we were lucky enough to see our name up there and uh, played this past weekend. It was great to have a home game. And it was great to uh, uh, find a way to win the game. First one in the FCS era. So uh, that was exciting. Yeah, a dominating performance for UND football over Missouri State. We're going to talk a bit about that game, kind of run down what else is happening in UND athletics before doing a very quick, maybe sad B-side <laughs> about the Spurs Carabao Cup defeats and sad, sad things going on. But that's that's coming later. Yeah, let's let's just dive into football. What a performance. I mean, you said selection show, you get a home game against a Missouri State, a team UND was supposed to play during the regular season, but the same, the game was called off because of COVID issues. You see the Bears in the postseason, and it was right from the start, a really impressive opening couple of drives by both the offense and the defense, and it just felt like the game was never really in doubt after the first quarter. Really impressive stuff by Bubba Schweigert and company to get that first FCS playoff win. Yeah, I guess there was a little uh, concern over the uh, the, the time off uh, between games, uh, between playing yeah. uh, down in Fargo and then the game on Saturday, but you know, I it, it's such a such a physical sport that um, I think having uh, time off, uh, you know, sometimes can help you in some ways, right? And so you you do the things in front of you that uh, you make the best of them. And, uh, and I think that's what our team did. And uh, they were excited to play. And you're right. It was like first two drives and uh, really sort of put um, – a stranglehold on the game and uh that was that was exciting to see and uh yeah found a way to uh just continue the momentum uh into the second half and uh and won the game and excited for the program excited for the team to be able to check that box uh you know there's a you know you're always looking to uh, in whenever you get to a you know maybe a different uh place in life and in this case a subdivision move uh nice to get the first one and uh and now you know we have our work cut out for us as we head to harrisonburg virginia against a perennial uh uh you know uh stalwart in the fcs uh division yeah we'll talk about that james madison game here in a second 
You mentioned the layoff between the North Dakota State game, which was back on March the 20th, and then this playoff football game. What do you think allowed them to be ready, to be ready to go, despite the fact that it had been five weeks between contests? That is a good question, Alex. I I don't know, uh, generally speaking, other than I think that uh, our coaching staff did a really good job of uh, keeping keeping the guys focused on – you know, continuing to work out, uh, do the things you need to do in school uh, because you know the semester's ending right now. So you know, it t- take take advantage of the time that we have. There were certain things that we could could not control that occurred. Uh, obviously, the actual virus that hit us uh, that unfortunately uh, you know put us in a position not to be able to play the Missouri State game. Uh, and then we thought we were going to play a couple of other games, and some things happened again uh, with Illinois State and Youngstown State, and. You know, again, no complaints, just they happened. And so you just have to deal with it and roll with it. And I think that's kind of been the mentality we've had the entire year is that, um, you know, you don't know what's going to come through your door today. And so, you know, you just got to be able to handle it. And I thought our guys handled it very, very well. This spring season has been so, you know, start, stop, really from the beginning at different times. And for this group to still have the mental you know, fortitude to be able to press on and stay focused and stay locked in during that break. Because that's tough when you're practicing sort of week in, week out. And there, you know, when games start to get canceled and you kind of wonder, boy, are we ever going to get to play again this spring? Is this going to be it for us as other teams start to drop out? I was just really impressed, as you mentioned, with the coaching staff, how they were able to keep things going forward, keep the focus on the potential for the next game. And then you get rewarded with a really great showing and now a berth in the final eight. That's a big deal. I think people sort of forget like, oh, yeah, you won a playoff game. But oh, actually now... You're in the quarterfinals. You really are. You're within touching distance of Frisco and a national championship. Some really difficult opponents, of course, will be in the way, starting with James Madison this weekend. But it's it's huge for UND to be in this spot with the potential for much more here to come in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, I mean, the good news is you don't have to beat all seven of them. So that, that's, that's, that's the good news, right? I mean, you don't have to go down the bracket and beat each one of them. So, uh, you know, if you're ever lucky enough to win, all of a sudden half the bracket's gone. So, uh, you know, we're, we're, uh, we're excited about it for sure. And and you think about it, um, you know, we still had, I think it was just under a hundred FCS schools ended up playing in the spring. I think that's accurate. And so, uh, and then, uh, this year we had kind of a reduced field from 16 as opposed to 24. So, so for you to be one of 16 to be able to make it into the bracket field and then now be one of eight, uh, no, you, you know what? You embrace it and you just never know, you know, when times are going to uh, occur, you know, futuristically. So, so embrace this moment. And uh, I think that's what our guys are doing. And uh, yeah, we're excited about it. I mean, I, I think it's kind of neat that we're all on Sunday. Uh, that kind of threw me for a loop. I'll be honest with you. I, I don't know why I was thrown for a loop. I think I saw the two dates on there, but I, it, maybe it was a new month and I just wasn't registering. And I just started thinking it's going to be Saturday, obviously. But then with the NFL draft kind of mm. made some sense kind of made some sense and so you know what we get to kind of own sunday which is great yeah all on national television espn and espn2 carrying every one of the fcs quarterfinals north dakota in that five o'clock central time slot at james madison you couldn't ask for a better showcase really for the subdivision or for the program with that type of national exposure coming up this sunday we're excited about it for sure i mean uh you know it's you know we've got to leave a little bit earlier than what we would normally do and we're probably playing a little bit later than you normally do on a day. 
ah, that, that, those are no big deal. <laughs> I mean, I, we, we'll deal with it, but, uh, you know, it, it's exciting. And to, to go to a, um, you know, to go to a perennial power like JMU, we respect what they've been uh, doing here for certainly uh, many, many years and, uh, you know, won a national cha- championship just uh, recently as well. And so, you know, we know it, it's going to be a tall task. I think they're 33 and one in their last 34 home games. Yeah. And so, you know, I, I mean, we can go statistics, but at the end of the day, it's a 60 minute game and our, our guys are excited about playing. Yeah, the Dukes were in the national title game in 2019. Have you been out there, by the way, to Harrisonburg? I'm trying to remember if Eastern and the Dukes ever tangled in the playoffs. Bill's shaking no. his head right now. No, no. Uh, in fact, uh, uh, Eastern, after one year uh, in 2000, well, actually 2007 in nine, nine was the last time that Eastern had gone on the road in the playoff game since this mm. past weekend to Fargo. And so, uh, so no, uh, all home games in Cheney during that time frame, And uh, the bracket never, never collided between uh, Eastern and JMU. So, yeah, excited to go out there. And, uh, you know, it, it's kind of interesting. So out of 100 and about 25 schools, and I, I'm going to use this tournament as really it's 2020 season. I mean, it's really the fall of 2020. Of about 125 now, only 15 schools can say that they've made the tournament three of the last five years and UND is one of them. So, and then there's only four schools that have made it all five years and JMU is one of those. (laughs) Couple of blue buds going at it this weekend. Again, that just shows how good, first of all, how good James Madison has been, you know, to be in that position, but also too, I think maybe how under the radar good North Dakota has been again with the playoff berth in 2016 and then again in 2019 and now this season. And it's, I think people sometimes because of the success of some of the schools around North Dakota and in the Valley and you see five Valley teams make the postseason this weekend and four win their games. And, you know, the big sky had so much success as well when North Dakota was in that division, you sort of overlooked the fact that this team has been so consistent and so good. And this program has been right in the mix and is now becoming this is this isn't a surprise anymore when North Dakota is making the postseason and now again like you talked about it's taking that next step now we won a game now now how far can you get can you expand that to next season all really positive steps for UND as they really establish themselves in this subdivision yeah you know that's fair that's fair Alex I you know and really if you think about it 2018 really had a shot if won that last game of the year uh, again was really a it was told to me that we would have been in the field. So at the end yeah, well, of the day, one of the first four out in that particular season and same thing in 2015, they were seven and four and should have been in and found themselves on the outside looking in. So you could really be looking at five of the last six years in the postseason. but we digress. Continue, continue yeah, on. We, we digress, I, but, but you're right. So, <laughs> so the four other school, so the three other schools are North Dakota state, South Dakota state and Weber state. And mm-hmm. so those are the, those are the other, four and obviously two of them are in the Missouri Valley. So, and one was in, in the league that we had just come from. So, so we saw a lot of, of playoff quality teams and you're, you're seeing it right now. Like, you know, each, you know, James Madison will be a tall task in Virginia, but certainly 
given the fact that we've played three remaining teams that are in the bracket right now, certainly our team is, is, is ready to go play. Now it's just a matter, you know, do the balls, you know, do they bounce your way and do you have the right game plan, all that other stuff. I mean, but, but we're excited about it. And you're right. I think uh, coach Schweiger has really solidified the program. And uh, you know, I think, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, with that come, I guess, uh, continual expectations, but I think uh, checking off boxes along the way, having the home game, winning it was big. And now, you know what, let's, let's go to a perennial power and see what we can do. Five o'clock central time Sunday at James Madison, a team that was number one for part of the season, the number three seed officially in the playoffs, but obviously a, a great program with a long tradition of excellence. And that's North Dakota's task coming up this weekend. So we'll see what UND can do on the road in the FCS quarterfinals this Sunday. A couple other spring sports that are just starting to wrap up or have wrapped up their conference portion of the season and going into the postseason. Uh, women's golf, they had their Summer League championships this past weekend down in Newton, Kansas. Uh, n- nice finish for the ladies. Fifth place, Kerry Carpenter was 14th overall. Sounded like it was a really windy day, difficult conditions down there, but pretty good showing overall day two i think day two was really 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 difficult just look at the scores i mean of all the teams Mm -hmm. and so uh yeah i thought uh day one we played very very well and a really young team uh talking to uh, coach sunderman i i think what was good is that you had a really good day day one which kind of put the heat on you a little bit for days two and three. And so that's really good for uh, some, I'll call them inexperienced players in that format or certainly in that tournament. Uh, Not that they haven't played tournaments before, but I think it was good, uh, good, um, good education lesson for us. And so I thought we played uh, pretty well. And so uh, the men actually, so kind of a, uh, what rinse, wash, repeat type thing. So we'll uh, (laughs) do, do women. Now we're doing men. Yeah. Yeah. The men get set to do the same course, Newton, Kansas, coming up on May the 1st through the 3rd for their Summit League Championship. So stay tuned to UND social media for updates on how the men fare this weekend. Tennis is getting ready for their championships. Uh, I believe the men taking on Denver in Denver, the women taking on Kansas City also in Denver. I think the women, the, the three seed, the men, the four seed. That how this shakes Correct. out? Yes, yes. We've got Denver in the first round on the men's side. Correct. Uh, and so, yeah, in Kansas City uh, on the ladies' side. And uh, first time both programs have made it uh, together. And so that's exciting. Um, yeah, I, you know, I think we lost 5-4 to Kansas City the first time. So that should be, uh, um, mm. you know, probably the all-important doubles point will come into play. <laughs> Just telling you telling yeah. you they they have it figured out in tennis they really do um you know that doubles point is huge and so um uh so we'll see what happens there and then uh and the men men uh you know denver's very very good so uh you know we're you know we'll have our work cut out for them uh, for us against denver yeah it's been great though great seasons for both of those programs again the men at 10 and 7 on the year again to make the tournament and, and for the women as well a really strong season as well right at 500 four and two in conference play best of luck to them both coming up this friday and saturday this weekend in the mile high city softball meanwhile they're starting to finish up their regular season just two series left still eight games but just two series to go they've had their last five games canceled because of weather we, I, you know, we were out there. I think the last time they played was against South Dakota State on a Saturday afternoon in Grand Forks. Beautiful day for softball. A little windy, but really nice. And you kind of 
tapped me on the back and said, just maybe just wait till tomorrow. And, and the next day was, was brutal. 20, it felt like 20 degrees outside and high winds and snow and sleet. And those games, those games didn't happen, uh, thankfully, probably for everybody involved. Now, when you're using the word sideways to describe mm. snow, that's not good. And so, uh, yeah, I, it, right decision, obviously, by the umpires. And, uh, and so we unfortunately didn't play the last two against South Dakota State. But you're right. We've got two, uh, two um, series left and uh, disappointing for the team. They traveled this past weekend and unfortunately couldn't play. So, you know, I, I mean, that, that sport, now they're used to pivoting and adjusting and, you know, yeah times and all of that stuff so uh they'll, they'll be fine so uh you know we're excited about them playing this weekend yeah at least they were traveling to nashville it was a nice a nice trip to sunny tennessee at least in theory <laughs> before things didn't quite work out by the way too with that south dakota state cancellation i did not realize that the threshold to play is 21 degrees if the air temperature is 21 degrees or higher right now in the summit league you are quote unquote, able to play that that's sort of within the realm of possibility. And then 20 degrees or below the game is automatically called off. So we were right at 21 as we were approaching noon. And I just happened to be sitting next to Jordan Stevens and SDSU's head coach, Krista Wood, as they were kind of chatting about, well, should we play? Should we not? And they both kind of looked at each other and were like, this is just a bad idea, right? Let's just, <laughs> let's just maybe not go ahead with this. And then they had the owner, the umpires meeting. Interesting though, 21 degrees. That's that's a real cold for a softball game to take place, Bill. It's unique that that is what the threshold is for the game to go on. I agree with you, Alex. I, uh, you know, obviously our, a lot of these uh, sports all have rules committees and they go through that, you know, process. Uh, seems, seems chilly to me, for sure. I mean, I know uh, um, tennis has something similar as well. And so, I, you know, it's just a... Uh, I don't know. I mean, if you're if you're from the north and you've been from the north and you've played either softball or baseball and you've ever ever had an aluminum bat in your hand and you ever swung mm. and maybe hit the ball and didn't hit it well. And, uh, you know, I was used to that a little bit. Uh, your, your hand, you may not feel it for like to say till Tuesday. Oh, man. Brutal. Hoping for a better weather weekend in Fargo coming up this weekend and then against Kansas City at home coming up on the 7th and the 8th. Yes, I would agree. Yes and yes. <laughs> Track and field was in action this weekend. Uh, the men and women in Iowa, in various parts of Iowa, Drake Relays going on in Des Moines, the Kip Jarvin invite going on in Indianola. Some really good performances. Again, mm -hmm. Drake is obviously a, a big-time meet from professional down to high school. Cool to see our kids compete and, and do well at that particular event as they gear up for conference championships, which are only about two weeks away. Yeah, there were a lot of uh, records broken over the weekend, Alex, but you're you're the track aficionado. And so let me ask you a question. When you break a uh, distance medley relay by 11 seconds, that seems like a pretty substantial <laughs> break of a record, doesn't it? That's impressive when you're hitting those type of numbers. I mean, it's unbelievable. So uh, that was uh, obviously on our lady side. And uh, so congratulations. There was a lot of good performances. Go to uh, fightinghawks.com and you'll be able to read all about it. But the amount of the amount of records that have been broken uh, literally since the uh, Pollard Center has come into an existence, um, probably there's a, there's a complete correlation about what's transpiring. You can see the direct impact that that building has had on all of our programs. Certainly football will say it's made a big difference, but track and field is one of those ones that it really stands out when you're able to 
have a full track that you can practice on indoors any time of the year. That's made a big, big difference for that program. The men and women, by the way, going out to Oregon State this weekend, they'll go to Corvallis and then they'll come a little closer to home and compete in Vermilion and in Moorhead leading up to the Outdoor Track and Field Championships down at South Dakota coming up that second week in May. Anything else going on, Bill, from an NCAA or UND perspective you want to chat on quickly before we do a, a quick flip over to soccer? Kind of feels like we're, you know, we're heading, you know, uh, to the end here, right, semester-wise. Mm. And uh, but, you know, a number of uh, programs still going on. And so, again, uh, talked a lot about the game uh, in uh, in Virginia this weekend. So it should be uh, should be exciting. What great um, what great publicity for the for the university to be on uh, one of the main channels on ESPN. So we're excited about that. Yeah, should be fun. Can't wait. Five o'clock ESPN two against James Madison on Sunday. Let's flip it over. Bills Spurs involved in a championship match, a trophy on the line without their manager. (laughs) It was a heck of a week for Spurs because you went from Super League, which happened and then didn't happen. And then Jose, you sack your manager and then you play City in the Carabao Cup final. And just, I feel like in the ends, maybe you got positive resolution on a couple of those things. What were you, what, are, what are your thoughts on the week that was for Tottenham Hotspur Bill? So again, I think a lot of the conversation has to start with the super league and whatever that was last Sunday. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, whatever happened there, uh, like I, I, I you know, I, I guess there was a, something that potentially was going to come out from UEFA on Monday regarding the champions league. And so I felt like the super league was trying to beat them to the punch and it didn't feel like everything was buttoned up. Well, uh, with, with what they were doing, they, they really didn't have a face of the actual super league. Maybe it was the, maybe it was, uh, the owner or whomever from Madrid or Real Madrid. But, but at the end of the day, once things started going left on them, uh, it, it really gained momentum and, uh, yeah. and really, you know what it is, Alex. And I, I, again, you're, you're further along. I, I would say I I'll call it on the, uh, on the football journey in, in Europe, but, but certainly <laughs> in England, in England, it was like ripping at the core of, of like history. And it just, it, it just was not good. And uh, so, yeah no matter what was happening with Mourinho, which that was going to happen, whether it was, you know, the end of the actual year this year or then, I, I don't know whether that was the right move or not. I, I have no idea. A zero. I mean, obviously the locker room was not happy. And so maybe they thought that was the best way to get a performance out of them uh, against city, but they were just, uh, you know, City was just dominant uh, this past weekend and was kind of lucky to just be a 0-0 game for a long while. I thought maybe, you know, because you got enough guys with experience like a Bale and a Kane and a Son that it just takes one, right? I mean, it just takes one. And so that's what I was kind of hoping for, but eh, that didn't come to fruition. Fourth consecutive League Cup championship for Manchester City. Again, it was an 82nd minute header. That was the difference between the two. So you just about pushed it to extra time. You can see, by the way, what that game meant to to the Spurs and specifically to Sun, who was in t- like in a heap on the ground. Like you come so close to winning a championship and you come up a little bit short. And if anybody says, you know, that these guys are robots or they're just hired guns and they don't care about these sorts of things, that's a really good example. That no, the 
it does matter. Winning a trophy for the fan base and, you know, for the club and for the legacy of you as a player in that club, that really resonates with a lot of these guys. And that was on full display for the defeated finalists on Sunday. Yeah, no doubt. And so, yeah, I, I just honestly, Alex, it really over, you know, the, even the Mourinho um, sacking in the uh, in the actual Caribou Cup final was so overshadowed by what transpired on that Sunday that it was yeah. actually hard to get your head around what was going on because I felt for uh, really just people, literally, and, and I'm going to say the country of England because that's the one I, I guess I I see on a weekly basis. So I can't really speak for the other um, countries that were involved, but it, there there was just a lot of um, obviously anger, but just really mm-hmm. sadness too. Really sadness. I don't know if people completely understood what the Super League was supposed to be necessarily. I think they just saw like, are these rich clubs are sort of doing their own thing and we don't like that. But the idea, English soccer and European soccer and club soccer in general around the world outside of North America is built on meritocracy. It's what have you done? You you can pull yourself up from your bootstraps and climb the ranks and go from a third division team and find yourself competing for a championship in all of Europe. That's That's always been the dream and that's been that way for centuries isn't the right word, but for over a century, that's how the system has been set up. And this concept was very much a franchise type move, a North American sports type move where you take away the jeopardy of having to qualify for an elite competition and you're just in it every year if you're one of the best teams. I watched and people a, didn't like that. Yeah, I forget the name that I watched. It was on Netflix. It was about maybe three, three or four or five episodes, but it, it was generally around the FA Cup, and it was mm. you know storyline, and it went back to the beginning. And um, you're exactly right. Like like no matter where you come from in that country, you could actually you know be on the same playing field with whomever. And give yourself a chance. And I just think that was years and years and years of ingrained. That's what it is. And with Arsenal, Liverpool, and Man U all having American owners, correct? Correct. Yep. I would say that was not something that was probably – whether – whether those owners understood that or not, hard to say. But but really, um, they've got some work to do. See, I look at a t- team like Tottenham; they're just happy to be there. Like like they were they were just part of the club, and they were like saying, "Well, if this thing's going to happen, I yeah. got to make a decision. Am I going to be with it or not?" Right? Like, didn't didn't you have to kind of make that call? Like, whereas I hate to put it on Liverpool and put it on Man U. But I'm just telling you, I think Tottenham might have been in the van, but they were not in the driver's seat. No, I think I think <laughs> that's accurate. I think Tottenham was in the way, way back. Tottenham wasn't even in the captain's chairs in the middle row. They, they were in the back along for the ride. But again, you're, you're right. Liverpool, Man United, they were the driving forces in this from an England perspective. And again, when you look at the Glazers and FSG, these are American owners that want the security of the franchise system that American sports offers. And why would they? Because again, right now, if you look at it, Arsenal's not in the Champions League. Spurs isn't in the Champions League this year. Chelsea is in, but barely got in. Like, I mean, you, you have the flux. And obviously Liverpool right now would not be in it next year. Neither would Arsenal. 
Man United's not in the Champions League this year. Like you lose so much revenue every year if you don't finish in the top four. And it's six good teams that have the most money and only four of them make it. You just do the math and it just doesn't work. So you can see how they're trying to find a way to stabilize and secure their investment in these clubs. And they thought this was the best way to do it. And, you know, they've tried for a couple of years now to sort of stack the deck in their favor when it already is in their favor. It's just, you can tell why people are mad and there will be repercussions for this. I'm just glad it didn't work out in this particular form because it would have been a mess. Alex, it's no different than the men's basketball tournament with units. Eh, it's the same thing. It's, it's very the much same the same thing. thing. I mean, for folks that can't get their head around it, just think of all the power five teams or, or maybe in basketball, we'll call it a sixth league with the big East, but, but just go back for the 68 teams over the last five years, just do that math equation. If you're bored one day and figure out how many teams come from those six conferences. And it's, it's a never ending, fulfilling, perpetual thing. I mean, that's yeah. because money begets money begets money, begets money. And then you get to buy teams at the beginning of the year and we get, to go and occasionally, you know, you, you, you win a game or not, you, however that goes. But most likely, if you're able to have majority home games in the non-conference, that gives you a better chance later on. It's true. These are true things. That's how it goes. That's, that's how, how it goes. goes. And so, and I get it. I'm not complaining. I'm just saying that's how it is. That's the reality. Yeah. And so, the, so what's happened is the, the this group now wanted to make it more, uh, you, you wanted guaranteed revenue on an annual basis that was going to happen. And right now, it's all about your actual performance on the field, not necessarily the guarantees. Thankfully, for the moment at least, that's been tabled, and we'll see what happens in the future. But it was a huge story, obviously, and it was interesting to see. It only took about 48 hours of protests and discord from around the, the really around Europe, but especially in England for things for teams to start to back out and for the whole thing to crumble. And obviously, we've not heard the last of this, but it was interesting to see that our clubs were both involved and that both of our ownership groups had to make apologies. And, and we'll see what happens now moving forward. But a really unique week, really, in world soccer. And, uh, and it will, it, again, we've not heard the last of it for sure. And I know we've got to cut this B-side short, but I'll, I'll end it with this. And it kind of can get a little bit into the other thing we usually talk about. But if I'm John Henry, I'm staying at Fenway Park for a little while. <laughs> I wouldn't make that trip to Anfield this season. And I, I probably would wait maybe a little bit longer. <laughs> I wouldn't be going back there for the opener in August. That's for sure as well. Let's enjoy this Red Sox season, John. Let's maybe not go across the pond anytime soon. Yeah. Good advice, I, Bill. So so in the in, in my only thing about the Red Sox, I'm happy that they're – you know, they're, they're going to be kind of a fun, uh, I do believe, scrappy team to watch. But one suggestion, because I guarantee you the owners are listening to this pod, maybe Bloom, however it goes. Here's what I would say. Um, one thing that maybe we could do right now, let's take Garrett Richards out of the rotation and put Tanner Houck in. <laughs> I, I, this just in, Tan, Tanner's got some filthy stuff. And if they're trying to get him a third pitch, let's try it at the major league level. There you go. You heard it. Good suggest the suggestion box. Always open. Bill dropping a dime. I love it. That's right. Good. Well, all right. Well, we gotta go. But I appreciate the time as always, Bill. Enjoy some playoff football, some some postseason golf, some track. There's a lot of great stuff going on. Enjoy the rest of the week and the weekend ahead. Yeah, maybe we'll catch up in a couple weeks too. See where see where this all goes. I'm all about it. I love it. All right. Thanks, Bill. Sounds good, Alex. 
For Bill Shaves and our producer, Cassie Niles, I'm Alex Heinert saying thank you for listening. Enjoy the week and the weekends, and we'll talk to you soon.